The reading is James chapter 1, verses 12 to 18, and can be found on page 1213 in the Red Bibles. James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because, having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. This is the word of the Lord. Take a seat, folks. Nice to be with you. My name is Paul, if we've not spoken before. We're going to think about that uh, bit of the next bit of James together. Um, it is... Um, it's award season in the movie industry, if you enjoy kind of following that kind of thing. Um, uh, the Golden Globes, the Oscars, that sort of thing. This is, um, I was reminded of that this week, uh, and in particular, this time last year, uh, a particular ca- uh, um, ca- uh, actor called uh, Ki Hai Kwan, who uh, won an Oscar, um, gave an award uh, speech. It was quite a sort of moving uh, uh, moment for him, partly because, now if you're somebody about my age, you may not, this sort of male fly over your head, but if it doesn't, uh, many years ago, uh, he starred as a young boy in the Indiana Jones, uh, one of the Indiana Jones films. There's a little picture of him there. Uh, and he talked about in his speech how, you know, maybe 20, 25 years, having done that first uh, movie when he was a kid, he was largely forgotten by the industry kind of trying and plugging away, uh, and finally, then 25, 30 years later, had finally sort of got some recognition and had made it, if you like. And it was, it was quite, there was quite a lot of goodwill towards him as he was there celebrating, got his Oscar. And you imagine, as he was describing, I thought, how easy would it have been, how tempted must he have been to give up of course, uh, in, in the course of those 20, 30 years or so, just sort of plugging away thinking, is this ever, am I ever going to get anywhere? Do I keep going? Is it worth it? And finally, there was this sort of moment to stand on stage and say, I've got an Oscar. Uh, and he talked to her, he said, Mom, watching at home, look, I've done it. And the reason that came to mind was really James talking here uh, at the start. He says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Uh, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life. Somebody who gives keeps going, perseveres, will finally get there, he says. And he's going to talk about the temptations that are on the way to give up and the temptations that, that uh, take us off in different directions. So we're going to think about that this morning. That's really the focus he's got. So we'll think about temptations versus trials, because we need to unpick that a little bit. Uh, temptations and desires, uh, and temptations and something better. That's what we're going to think about this morning. Temptations is where we are. So, Temptations versus trials, because we began thinking about trials last week. And let me read those, um, the rest of those opening verses. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, 
Having stood the test, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. Now, the, the word, the thing that you need to know um, that hopes begins to make sense of this is that the word for trial and the word for temptation is the same. It's the same word for both of them. So it's really talking about something that's two sides of the same coin. And it's translated as trial and temptation here because there's a bit of nuance, I guess, in what's going on on each occasion. So it's helpful in a way to think about it as the trial is like the outer situation, the external situation that you're facing. The hardship, perhaps the difficulty or the situation that you're in, that's the trial. The, the temptation is what's going on inside you. It's the inner temptation. So when, when the situation happens, when the hardship comes, what's going on inside you, in your heart, that's the temptation. But it's two sides of the same coin. Let me try and illustrate it this way. Um, imagine if, for those of you who can remember, back to school days, or perhaps you are still at college and face this kind of thing. Um, imagine you are set a maths exam by your maths teacher. Now, the maths exam is the, it's the outer situation, uh, it's the hardship, if you like, but it's going to reveal what's gone on in your heart. It's going to reveal whether you were tempted not to revise at all, whether your bed or your TV was more interesting than your math revision. Now, you could get cross at the uh, math teacher and you could say, well, I blame that math teacher for causing me to fail because they set this math exam. Well, no. The maths exam was the situation, it was the trial, but it, re- it revealed, exposed the temptation that was going on in your heart. In fact, it exposed the fact that you didn't do any revision, and so you failed. And what James is trying to do is he's trying to just separate those out and say, God isn't the one who tempts us. The situation comes, the hardship, the trial, or indeed the, any kind of circumstances we'll think about. But when that comes, it reveals what's going on in our own heart. It reveals the things that we've been tempted to do. That makes sense. I hope that makes sense. The distinction between those two is of outer and inner, um, trials versus temptations, the two sides of the same coin. But to do that, then to know sort of what, okay, temptations, or what do we, what do we kind of do with those? We need to know how they work. So that's what he goes on to explain next. How is it that temptations work? And James says temptations work through desires, temptations and desires. And he says every situation really brings the possibility of these kind of inner temptations. Why is that? Because of how our desires work. And he has two pictures, if you like, two images that he uses to try and explain what uh, this is like and how our desires work. And the first one is that of fishing. Now, I'm not particularly a fisherman, uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm... Boring knowledge here. <laughs> but you imagine that there's so fishing, the idea that there's, you know, you're a little fish and you're swimming through the water and you see this lovely thing just hanging there, looks like good food, and you think, well, I want that. That looks nice. I'll have it. But what you don't realize, of course, is that when you want it and you have it, it's going to drag you away. It's going to capture you and take you off somewhere. So he says, when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire. So poor little fish wanted the food, but of course the end result is that you end up on the boat, out of water, and you're in a whole world of trouble. 
You've been dragged away by this very, but it's the desire. You couldn't stop yourself. You saw it dangling there. You thought, I want it. And off you go. The second image, though, is perhaps it blends with it. It's just one of seduction. The idea that we might set our hearts on something. So it overlaps with the, the sort of fishing image. Uh, the person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. So we set our heart on something. We long for something. We think, that is what I really want. That's what will make me complete. That's the thing that I need at the moment. And it's that image of, of being lured, being uh, enticed. Now, just stepping back, when we started last week, we saw actually one of, the, um, one of the issues for the people James is writing to was money and status and their situation. Many of them were, were in quite hard circumstances. And actually, I didn't really kind of quite clock this, but in coming back to the book of James and looking, working through it in preparation, actually, it's, it can't, it's going to come up a lot. Money, status, occasionally sort of power, the, the, the kind of things that we long for, they are actually some of the, uh, the main things that James will talk to his readers about. And we saw it, it began last week, because the rich were mentioned last week, but actually this idea that when temptation comes, Actually, one of the main ways in which we get tempted, both hardships and successes, is through money, wealth, status. So if you think about it for a moment, for those that James is writing to who are facing a hard time, financial hardship is really tough and really difficult. But when actually when you're in that situation, there's a couple of temptations that come your way. First, you might be tempted to blame God for it. God, why have you done this to me? And he says, it's not God that tempts you. But equally, you might be tempted to say, well, if I only had some more money, then things would be easier. If I only had enough, just, you know, if I had a little bit more, then I'd have some more breathing room, I'd be all right. And actually, the temptation for those who are facing hardship is very real. And James knew that to those who he was writing to, but the temptation is equally for our successes, for the things that come our way, the money that we gain, the status, the power, because those temptations, they work in the same way. We might think to ourselves, well, if I had some more money, then I'd be a bit better off. If I had that holiday, then I would, I would just, life would just be a bit easier for me. If I gained that status, that promotion, then, well, then I'd be in a position to, you know, to help myself to do much more. But the temptations can be just uh, the same. It's, I've been astonished in some ways just watching the news unfold in the past couple of weeks. I don't know how much you've followed. Just some of the, uh, it's pretty high profile stuff. And some people who have clearly progressed, gained money, gained status, and the temptations that have come with that to compromise their integrity, to lie, to keep their position, to defraud others. Or to keep others down so that they can succeed. It's astonishing, actually, the temptations that come that our successes can bring temptations in the same way. We're enticed, we're lured, I want that thing, it will make my life easier. But then when I get there, I've got to do more to keep myself there. And James describes that with this kind of sequence. So he says, uh, they're dragged away by their own evil desire. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is full grown, it gives birth to death. So there's kind of like a progression that one thing doesn't just stay where it is. It leads to the next and the next and the next. Now, last week, Tim talked, uh, do you remember his illustration about lying and about how that fractures our thinking? 
So when you tell a lie, you've now created two worlds in your mind that you have to keep hold of, and that's kind of fractured you. And now you're trying to run with these two worlds, or perhaps three or four or five, as, as, as your lies multiply. It's the same idea. And what James is saying as he builds on that is that then where that will, do, where that will go is it will eventually kill you. It will lead to death. Now, that sort of fracturing and splitting, eventually, it'll, you'll fracture so much, you'll, you'll be killed, you'll die. Now, you might hear that, I think you might hear that, and I sound, imagine myself this week thinking, well, like, okay, that sounds a little bit over the top, doesn't it? So, wanting a little bit more money, it's, it's not going to kill me, Paul, is it? Let's be realistic. But then think about it for a moment. It might, well, it starts, it might easily begin to kill your reliance on God's. Yeah, I get a little bit more. I get a little bit, kind of, a little bit more status, a little bit more money. Well, I, I, I can make my way in life now. Oh, well, yeah, I used to depend on God a lot more. I used to pray to him. I was very, you know, very reliant on him. I don't need to so much these days. It might start to gradually kill your reliance on God. And you might think, well, <laughs> I can live with that. It's not too bad, is it? But it might start to kill your integrity. Actually, I do. I, I, I did want that extra money. I do want that extra status. And now, as I say, it, Actually, you, you do lie to keep where you are. You do compromise more than you feel you would have done before. You actually gradually sort of begin to erode. You begin to kill your integrity. Or perhaps even it might kill your relationships. I've been around long enough to see families, when family inheritance is coming, kill one another over it, to kill their relationships as the fighting, the fallouts, as people go, actually, I, I, I really do want more. They shouldn't be having that. And actually, it break, the breakdown, the, the killing of relationships. So, so we, before we sort of too lightly go, well, I, you know, it's a bit over the top. Actually, what James is saying is it's a sequence. There are things that begin to happen. As we, we say, I want more, I, if only I had that. But it doesn't stop there. Then I have to, I have to protect that. I might do certain things to protect that. I might do certain things to make sure that I still have what I need. I might start compromising. I might, do you see, what I, see how it works? And it's quite powerful. And I think, let's say we, we are people who would say, or oh, if I just had a little bit more money, that would make life easier. Now, it sounds like a reasonable thing to say. I think James would kind of put to us, have you ever asked yourself this question? Have you ever, or voiced this, if I did have more money, I realize that my temptation might be greater. If I did have more money, if I did have more status, if I did have more money, do I realize that my, my temptation might be greater? If we haven't kind of attended, if we haven't clocked that, if we haven't been realized that that's how it works, then I guess we are, well, we're deluding ourselves. In fact, he says, don't be deceived. He's saying, just be aware of what goes on. We might say, if only I had more money, that would be easier. But with it comes temptations. Temptations and desires, that's how they work. They, they kind of, that's, that's the sort of path they go on. So then how do you deal with that? What do you do? Uh, temptations and something better. Um, a number of years ago, this is something, this isn't me. Uh, a number of years ago, my um, a former vicar of mine once described it like this. And I found it really helpful. It stayed with me and I, hopefully it will help you. Um, uh, he just talked about there are, two, there are two ways that you can approach temptations, and they're, they're quite different. Um, and the two of them are these. Uh, one is the old classical story of Ulysses. 
Now, I don't know if you know the story of Ulysses. Ulysses, uh, he was on a quest, and at one point, he was going to um, kind of encounter the sirens, these kind of beautiful figures who, were, who had this amazing song, but it was very uh, attractive. It would lure uh, people, and then they'd, they'd kind of they'd lure them to their deaths because they'd crash on the rocks. That same sort of similar idea. And Ulysses' answer to that to temptation was this. He said, okay, to his crewmates on the ship, he said, I'd really like to hear them. Uh, I quite like this temptation, actually. Um, I'd like to hear them, but I, what I'm going to do is, you guys are all going to put wax in your ears so that you can't hear anything, and you're going to tie me to the mast of the ship, and then whatever I do when I say, let me off the mast, let me down, I want to, I want to go and be with them, you're not allowed to do it. In fact, you, won't, you don't do it because you won't hear. Um, so his idea is if you tie, you know, it's, it's basically, it's grit your teeth. The temptation is, but grit your teeth, you'll get through it. Now, up to a point, it kind of works. Um, but it takes quite a lot of people. It's quite a lot of people involved. You need a lot of earwax. And you, you kind of got, you see how it works. So up to a point, it'll work. But it's, it's one way of approaching temptation, which is kind of, I'm just going to kind of grit my teeth. I'm going to try and get through it. But you're, in, a, in a funny way, you're sort of also trying to engage with it the whole time. The other way of dealing with temptation um, is... It's a different approach. It's to have something more beautiful, more powerful, that captures your heart more than the temptation itself. Now, uh, my illustration for this would be um, uh, an old film called The Shawshank Redemption. It's a very good film. And a character called Andy Dufresne. He, he ends up in prison. It's a terrible situation. And he's, he's in prison. And it's awfully, you must, you know, like a terrible life. And you imagine how tempted he is over the years to give up and, and how distraught he, he, he's there for something he didn't do. And there's a point, there's a scene in the film where he goes and uh, he breaks into the, uh, the sort of governor's office and he has a record player there and he gets a record of some uh, beautiful music. Uh, and he's not meant to do this, but he links it up to the tannoy system across the prison and he begins to play this beautiful operatic music. And it goes out across there. And he, he lies back like this and for a moment, a brief moment... He has something more powerful, a beautiful music that plays, that drowns out anything else that he might be tempted by. And James is talking about the latter of those two. He's saying, actually, for us, you've got to know how temptation works. And for, for how, you, how do you deal with it? You need something that is more captivating. And so he says at the start, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Uh, the crown of life, um, it is actually, a, a, so it would have been like a laurel wreath. That, uh, you might think in modern day terms of an Olympic medal. Or you might think of an Oscar or a Golden Globe or something, a, a reward. And he's very upfront about saying there is a reward. There is a future, yes, but a reward coming for those who persevere. And he says later, don't be deceived. Every good and perfect gift is from above. God is good. He has good things in store for you. Uh, he doesn't change like shifting shadows. He chose, us, uh, to, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Now, the idea of first fruits is using, James is saying to them that the church, that the community of believers, is a, it's like a picture of something. It's a first fruits, a first, a foretaste of something great that God is doing. That it is ultimate. It will be one day in a new creation. It'll be uh, when we know him fully, when we're in his glorious presence, when we're, uh, when we're made complete. Yes, it is ultimate, it is future. But James is really up front in saying, look, there is a good, more beautiful, more powerful thing coming for us. And that 
is what we need to keep in view when temptations dangle in the water before us and entice us and lure us. And it is, it is hard, it's not easy, but it is saying, actually, that's that, that sense of what the Lord has in store for us. That sense of that fire in our hearts, that God is good to us, that he is taking us somewhere, that is what will drown out temptation, says James. Temptations and trials. I think the reality is trials can be all sorts of things. Really, any situation, any change in life can bring temptations for us. And if, you, if you're not kind of aware of that, and I think you're being naive, you need to clock ch- you know, changes in your life circumstances frequently bring temptations in them. But temptations and desires are where we need to sort of spot where that's going on for us. Actually, the thing that we see when, when it dangles in front of us, when we're scrolling through things, clock your Clock your desires. That, oh, I really, that's what I really want. When you're shopping, that's the thing. That'll make my life complete at the moment. That's what I need right now. But temptations and something better, it's the something better in the Lord. That, that's what we need to keep in ourselves. And as a community together, that's what we need to remind ourselves of. We're going to sing in just a second. I'll perhaps give us a minute just to reflect on that. We're going to sing, we're going to sing of God as a good shepherd, one who gives good gifts to us. That's the battle, I think, to keep that in our minds. Uh, so let's just perhaps take a moment. What is it at the moment that's in your heart? What, tra- what situation are you in in life? Where are the temptations? Where do your desires lie? And then uh, just have a moment and then we'll, we'll sing together.